0: Hi, I'm Brent Stafford and this is Watch by RegulatorWatch.com. There's one issue with the potential to unite anti-vaping campaigners with pro-vaping advocates and business owners in the Canadian vaping industry, and that issue is enforcement. Both sides in the battle over vaping want to stop teen use of nicotine vaping products, yet laws intended to prevent teen access, which are already on the books, often go unenforced. Joining us today to discuss the impacts of insufficient tobacco enforcement is Jason Flynn, Ontario-based owner of Vape Escapes, retail vape shops, owner of Refined Liquid Labs and current board member at the Canadian Vaping Association. Jason, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hey Brent, thanks for having me on. Great to see you.
0: And first off, uh, tell us a bit about your shops and your customers. Okay,
1: well we opened our stores uh, back in 2015 uh, with a small clientele, Um, we've since uh, grown pretty significantly, Uh, we have a a very loyal uh, customer base, Uh, they're pretty comfortable at this point with our our regulations that we've had to deal with, we keep them very informed, but uh, yeah it's it's like any other vape shop I suspect, Um, you know we do our best to provide them with information and counsel them in the process of getting off of of cigarettes and and into vaping. Uh, We now have a couple of locations.
0: That's excellent. And you've been around since the cowboy days.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you could say that. Uh, It was uh, definitely very early on. Uh, We were first making e-liquids and that uh, took off really well. And then, of course, when we opened our doors, we brought that into our stores as well. Um, but yeah, there wasn't much in the way of regulations. However, when we did open, we, uh, before we ever opened our doors, there was a sign that said you have to be 19 or older to to come inside. So that was long before it was regulated.
0: Now Ontario is the biggest market for vaping products in Canada. Is it not?
1: I would think so. Uh, with 40% of the population of Canada being, uh, in Ontario, it stands to reason that there's going to be more shops as well.
0: Now, how big of a problem is teen vaping in your area?
1: It, it still exists. It's definitely better than it was. Uh, we very rarely have anybody underage attempt to come in anymore. That's that's almost never happens uh, anymore. Um, but once in a while, uh, I do see uh, you know youth vaping from time to time. But again, not nearly as often as it used to be.
0: So at retail what are the main laws you have to follow to prevent youth use?
1: It was eventually regulated that uh, you have to be 19 or older to come into the stores. Um, It's actually if they appear to be under the age of 25 we have to card them and regardless of their age if we card them they have to produce ID before we can ever serve them. Um, We cover our windows so that nobody could see in but again we did that long before it was actually regulated uh, as as the situation. Um, so yeah, that's, that's uh, we, we use verification, I, uh, software so we can, you know, if, uh, identification looks a little sketchy, we can put it through our scanner and it'll tell if it's authentic. Our website is age gated. And again, there's also age verification software on there. Uh, so we're doing everything that we can to keep youth away from our stores. Uh, it, you can't come in with someone who's underage uh even if they're they're not purchasing uh they, they're not to have access to the stores under any circumstances um you know so we're we're doing everything that we uh we possibly can and i mean we're doing more than most age-restricted industries you know if you i don't know if you're talking strip clubs or liquor stores or uh you, you know uh, weed stores third They don't have like they're they're checking id they have you know age restrictions as well but i i believe because there's so much scrutiny on our industry we've kind of taken it to a different level
0: (laughs) yeah and do you think these efforts have played a role in lowering teen use
1: i would think so yeah um i mean we're never going to achieve net zero uh for for underage vaping but there's different ways of looking at it i mean most smokers started when they were underage uh, from, and you know, it, it's just uh, the risky behavior that teenagers get into and if they want it bad enough, they'll find a way. Now I would say that most specialty vape stores at, uh, for fear of lo- losing their designation are enforcing this to the best of their ability and so I would say that we are least likely to be the source of, of them ga- gaining access. Now I can tell you, there is a, at one point we had this regular customer, her name was Kim. Uh, we got to know her very well. She'd come in and tell us all about her family. And you know, it's just how it goes with our customers. Sometimes and we got very close, but one day she walked into the store on her cell phone and she was talking to somebody and she's, oh, that's great, honey. I'm so glad to hear that. And um, she was talking, I didn't know who she was talking to. And then uh, she said, yeah, I'll see what they, they have. And then she asked me for a product. And uh, I said, yeah, I got it. And she got, uh, she eventually got off the phone and she's like, oh, that was my daughter. She uh, passed her exam. And remember that exam I was telling you about? And I was like, oh, that's great. I said, your daughter's in high school, right? And she said, yeah. I said, what well, grade she is? She said, grade eight or grade, grade 11 I me. And I said, well, then you can't buy for her. And she's like, well, I, I'm buying, I'm her mother. I can buy for her. I said, you can't buy it here. And I said, I know we've been friends for a long time, Kim, but you can't come back here anymore. And she she hasn't but she got very upset she started crying and she left but she came back a few months later and just said she understood and we were okay but we couldn't serve her anymore
0: so enforcement then uh, at least at your store store does cause some problems
1: yeah yeah um, you know uh, we've, we've definitely a lot of lost a lot of sales over the year um, by being sticky with the rules but you know, like I said, we opened our doors with 19 plus being the, the guideline and we've stuck with that since since the very beginning. And also, like I said, we get very few people attempting it anymore. And that's because it's, you know, people know that we're, we're sticklers and I'm okay with that. I wouldn't, I don't want to play around with the rules. I don't see any need for someone who's underage to use these products. They were never our target market. And I, I think the same is true with most of our industry. Um, people are passionate about this product, and they're also passionate about making sure that it ends up in the right hands. So, um, yeah, I'm okay with having that reputation. And so, you know, when people are looking for 50 plus nick, I'm probably the last place they're going to come looking. And when people are thinking that they're going to get, you know, be 18 and get it, get their hands on it, I'm not the guy they're going to come and see first. That's for sure.
0: Now we're going to get to uh, the 50 nick here in a second. Let me ask you this, I mean, when it comes to these restrictions, are they endless? I mean, is there is there a floor to what's happening here or a ceiling to what's happening? Or is it just seems that they keep getting piled on?
1: Uh, the, the restrictions are pretty endless. I mean, like like you said, once it was the Wild West and there was no rules, but once the rules started coming, they just kept on coming. And every time we reach a point where they drop the regulations, we've we've adjusted to them, there's another looming threat of some other reg- regulation that's coming down the line. So it, it does get very frustrating. Actually, a prime example so I mentioned that we started our, our juice line before we ever opened, so I think back in 2014. Uh, and it had a pretty decent following, it did pretty well. And then naturally, when we opened the stores, we put it on our shelves, we, we bottled it, and we created a, a label and a logo and everything for it and made it all professional looking. And we didn't tell our customers certainly not most of them anyways, that it was our product because we wanted to see how it held up on its own. And it remained probably one of our, our top sellers up until uh, not that long ago. And that being said, I, I usually carry somewhere between 200 and 300 different flavors at a time, and it did pretty well. And then the regulations started coming in. And now I'm, I'm probably not going to get these in the right order. But uh, when we created our label, we put the poison symbol on it and we put allergy uh, warnings on it and, you know, the uh, keep out of reach of children, it's just common sense stuff. So we'd already had that on there, but then they, they regulated what warnings we had to put on the labels and in what order. So we did that. So we pulled everything off the off the shelf, relabeled it, rebottled it put it back up. And then they changed it again um, to another format, and so we did it again and then then they designated that we couldn't put uh, a name that indicated what the flavor was there was can't be any indication as to what's in the juice so that it's not enticing the children so we again we pulled it and we redid it put it back up there then they decided that we couldn't have any uh, uh characters on there and now i wouldn't say that the character that we had on on ours was child friendly but still had to go. So again, we pulled it down and, and redid it. And then along came Eboli, or actually maybe that was first, but Ibali came. And then, um, so at that point, uh, you know, the, the report was that it was, it was our products that were causing a problem. And of course, it, it had nothing to do with the products that we carried, not even in our country, not really anyway. Um, so, you know, there was no getting anywhere with our line at that point. Then we had to create, uh, we had to Actually, this was earlier on, but we had already had a clean room that we were preparing it in, but then they uh, created the standards for the lab. So we built thousands of dollars building an ISO 9000 lab. Um, and then, you know, then COVID and now the flavor ban. And so, yeah, my I, I do own refined liquid labs, but we put it on a shelf now because it's just if, if, it, if the dust ever settles, we'll take another shot at it. But yeah, restrictions destroyed us.
0: Now that sounds like a lot of uh, regulation enforcement and harassment for a legal product. Yeah,
1: exactly. It, it was, you know, we made it as responsibly as we could even when we didn't have government guidance. Um, well, actually what's funny is we, like I said, we used to put uh, allergy warnings on it because one of our boys had uh, an issue with uh, I think it was lemon uh, in, in one of the juices. And it was just a little red irritation. Uh, So we put allergy warnings on it. But now we're not allowed to put the ingredients on the bottle. So where every other product on the market warns of allergies, we can't even tell you what's in it. So if you do have an allergy issue, we're not allowed to tell you. That's just crazy.
0: Now, why is that?
1: Um, Because they designate specifically what's on there. And um, that is not one of the things. And the flavors are apparently appealing to children. That's why we have to, we can only do uh tobacco and menthol which is funny because all the people who started smoking when they were really young started with tobacco flavor so it's obviously not a deterrent but in any case we can't put on the bottles that it's got you know fruit in it or candies in it or um you know anything that's appealing to to children um they can do it with alcohol they can do it with uh, weed products uh, but Apparently, when you relate it to vaping, it becomes appealing to underage people. Um, so, yeah, the, the, that, that flies in the face of, of all the other product regulations where you're required to put those warnings on on the labels. We're actually being required not to.
0: Now, Jason, it's not just what you've described. There's also the issue around, say, nicotine concentration. They cap that. How big of an impact did that have on your business?
1: well uh, we we were warning our, our customers long before it it came into effect as best we could anyway so the um, the uh, upset was was minimized by that however we uh, it was still an issue there were still people who were quite angry there were some people who were um, you know they were on 50 Nick and the adjustment straight down to 20 Nick was 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 impactful um, you know, there, we still get the odd person coming in or calling and looking for 50 Nick, uh, even after all this time, which is surprising because it's been gone for a while now. Um, so that, that, I mean, that leads to the idea that somebody is still offering it. Now, we've had a few customers come in with bottles of 50 Nick that they bought somewhere else, and as soon as we ask them where, they clam right up, but. Uh, sometimes it's a sketchy bottle that's clearly being made in someone's, you know, uh, bathtub kind of situation and sometimes they're, they're professional looking labels, but not of a brand I've ever seen. So it's still out there and somebody is still doing it. So, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess you can say that the regulations have already created a black market and that's a little scary.
0: Now you mentioned that, uh, you've got a reputation, a bit of as a, as a stickler. I guess that is one of the big issues is, is people coming in and asking for the 50 Nick and you not participating in that sale. But from what you've told me in our pre-interview, there definitely are uh, vape shops around that are selling it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard uh, from other vape shops, shape oh, up vape shop owners that uh, there are stores in their area that um, have been, you know, selling it out the back door, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so it's definitely going on. Uh, I I don't know if there were vape shops, but uh, definitely convenience stores and gas stations and uh, some little uh, hut setups, you know, things like that. Um, so yeah, it's still going on. There's still underage people being uh, sold to in in uh, different establishments. I, I live in a or I, you know my business is in a unique area. I have a pretty good relationship with um, all my competitors and. I've seen most of them at at you know rallies and advocating in some form or another. So, I, at least from the vape shops in my area, I have I I don't think that uh, it's coming from them. I would be pretty shocked if it was. Um, now that being said, I've seen some uh, convenience stores and gas stations with some uh, sketchy setups. But again, I I don't know if that's where it's coming from. I've heard rumors, but. Um, yeah, no, nothing that I could put my finger on anyways. And I mean, we do have enforcement uh, agents. They have been fairly active in our area. Um, you know, they've been to our store a few times and you know, no issue. So I compared to some areas, uh, they may be more active, but, uh, um, but they're, you know, they're, they're out there, they do visit us. We do, I do know them by, by name and. Um, so yeah, it could be just that it's our area.
0: So are regu- you know, are the enforcement officers do the regulations that are in place? Are they able to prevent sales like this?
1: I would think so. Um, you know, based on the report, clearly they're doing, uh, you know, they're doing investigations at all the different places. It's, it's going to be hard if if somebody is making this on the black market and putting it out there. But you know, I would think that they could question uh, high school kids at the catch with it. I, I mean, you know, if they can do drug investigations, surely they could do an investigation into the source of uh, unregulated e-liquid. They, they have their methods. I don't, I don't know how they do their job, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's ways.
0: So you mentioned briefly. You kind of just you know slid over it a little bit, I think, and that is. Are there shops selling to teens? Now, maybe not just shops, maybe it's C stores, maybe it's black market, but you know, are teens still getting access to these products?
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, I know they are. I've heard I have three sons of my own, and they've reported to me that you know they've heard somebody um, you know that has got 50nick and or, you know, and you know, definitely people in their schools are still vaping, um, although they do report that it's much less than it ever was. So that's a good sign, I guess, but uh, it's definitely out there. There's bad actors, you know, I, w- I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily coming from one place or another. I think in our industry, we have people that are probably not following the regulations um, because they can see the profitability and breaking the r- rules. Even if they are fine, there's they're still made more money, um, you know, selling prohibited products. So. There, there's bad actors all over the place. Uh, I, I would think that the vast majority in our industry are are following because you'll lose your your specialty license designation there's a lot on the on the line if we if we do that. And it's interesting because we have um, you know it's it's questionable why why I would even mention this because it's going to put a target on our industry if I if I talk about it but you know I think what we're looking for is is fair. Uh, enforcement. So, you know, if suddenly there's an influx of convictions in the vape industry, then, um, you know, that would come off as as targeted. But it would be nice to see them investigating all the potential threats. So hookah lounges and and, uh, weed shops and vape shops and gas stations and convenience stores and all the people who potentially sell these products.
0: Now, Jason, you recently sent into RegWatch a detailed document outlining retail tobacco enforcement convictions across 34 health units in Ontario that have publicly reported since 2018. What did you learn when you did this research? Uh,
1: Well, uh, let me read it to you. So on most of their websites, it says uh, this district health unit is required to publicly disclose and report each tobacco sales related conviction of a tobacco retailer. And uh, vapor product sales-related convictions of vapor product retailers or vendors in the health units area within two weeks of conviction. So a few of the sites have that on there, and that's from the SFOA 2017, the uh, Smoke Free Ontario Act. Um, so, so I'm I'm on the board of the CBA. I um, oversee Ontario and and new membership. So. I wanted to do some research and make sure I knew what I was talking about. Now, I didn't need to really uh, research the regulations. I kind of lived those. So I wanted to see how those regulations were, were affecting uh, Ontario. So in doing some research... Uh, so there's 34 health units that make up uh, Ontario. Um, if you go to their websites, you can, you can look up the tobacco infractions uh, as they are required to post them. And what I found was in the past five years, so from 2018, there was 478 convictions that had been reported um, for serving to minors. And of those 478 convictions, only 25 were specialty licensed vape stores. And uh, with some of those being repeat offenders, that means that only 17 uh, vape companies uh make up that uh that number which is actually so of all the convictions only 5% were the re, were uh were were committed by our industry and that was quite surprising because i remember watching an interview from uh somebody representing the convenience store association and they said that we had failed miserably um in in upholding the regulations um and uh this evidence would suggest that that's not the case at all Uh, we've actually held a pretty good record and so now some of those sites like um some of those the those websites didn't have a spot at all for uh tobacco infractions um some had tobacco infractions um but uh nothing else uh some had hadn't reported in months some hadn't reported in years um but of the ones that did that's that's what I found was 478 infractions um but only 17 were vape companies so I'm, I'm pretty proud of that that certainly paints a picture that we are the best uh Avenue for preventing youth access
0: to these products that the specialty vape shops in Ontario um are not uh not getting many convictions
1: no 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 it's uh, it's uh, we we've clearly done a pretty good uh job of in, enforcing it and it, i mean it's like i said it makes sense we're are our, our license our business is on the line that's not something we're gonna mess around with
0: so but knowing the fact that as you said that teens some teens are still getting these products who's responsible then uh for doing that i mean are there legitimate businesses that are you know breaking the rules
1: well it would seem that there are um i i don't know how many or or how frequent that There and it's like i i suggested earlier there some parents are buying it for their kids it's just i don't agree with it but i don't know i'm not sure we can regulate the hell out of it we're still not going to be able to stop that so i that's why i say i don't think we'll ever completely beat it but if the only place to get it is a babe shop and we're not letting them in that's the closest we're going to get and it's only a matter of time before we figure out who the parents are that are buying for parent for their children and put a stop to it. So, like I say, if you've got it um, you know, down to one possible business that it can come from, that's the closest we're ever going to get to keep getting it out of the hands of children.
0: Now, based on your research here, and I know we're looking just at Ontario, but being, like you said, the one of the largest markets or the largest market, mm-hmm. is there enough enforcement going on or could there be more?
1: There definitely seems to be a need for more enforcement., um, some of those uh, sites that i uh, that I had researched, they showed uh, uh, health code violations for restaurants and things like that, uh, uh, senior citizens' homes had, that had been investigated. Um, some of them showed tobacco enforcement at stores, convenience stores and gas stations. so, the officers are, are out there. We, like I said, they, they visited us a few times. So uh, enforcement officers are out there and doing it. But I mean, if the issue is that they're, they don't have enough to investigate everybody that they're supposed to, because at this point it seems kind of like a political grandstanding, you know, the people squawk enough that they want, uh, you know, something done about, about vaping. So they say, okay, well, we'll make regulations. And that'll shut them up for a while, and then they start squawking again. So they make more regulations. Meanwhile, nobody's actually enforcing these regulations. So, what's the point? It's just you know political grandstanding. So, um, I think if you're going to keep making regulations, we need to see the data of how that is affecting it and whether or not it's improving it. Because I know that we you know where they've got flavor bans. Let's look at the data there because uh, the s- smoking rate has gone up and. And that seems to be the opposite of what we're shooting for here.
0: Now, do you think then Health Canada has given enough time to let certain things that they've implemented uh, to come to effect and then actually research it and test it and so forth? Or as you just said, they just keep keep piling on the restrictions.
1: Yeah, it's one right after the other. I mean, even as we stand right now, we're, we're looking at we're, we're been threatened with a flavor ban for the longest time now and then they throw excise tax in there so even you know that's it's before one has even dealt with they're throwing another one on top and that's not uncommon that's been the way all the way through this before one even lands they're working on the next one and i mean they I, I, it seems as though they're trying to decimate our industry and yet you know you go to their website and it acknowledges that this is a, a healthier choice for smokers so you know, uh, their objective is unclear and certainly unfair.
0: Now, if you do have competitors out there that are not following the rules and selling these products, do they enjoy a special competitive advantage? Do you think in terms of competing against your business?
1: I would certainly think so. I mean, um, like I say, when you come to our place, they, they're pretty, uh, there's pretty good chance that we're going to give them a hard time if they're not of age. Um, We're certainly not going to carry any of the stuff they're looking for. And as I said, it's that's I think the case with most vape shops. But if there is a shop out there that's got a a reputation for not really following the regulations, are less likely to card you when you come in, that becomes less of a hassle. And so for people who are, um, you know, because not everybody's as passionate about this product, uh, especially with a lot of customers. So they're going to go to the place that's going to give them the least amount of static um, and possibly not give them a hard time about the things that uh, shouldn't be happening either. So uh, I would think that that, that's going to be customers that that would potentially have come to us um, for those because, you know, for those that don't care about the regulations, they just want what they want that, that certainly would seem to be the more uh, appealing place to go, you know, to that a lot of people, it's just a commodity like any other. Right. So, um, yeah, I I would think that that would be a major factor. And then you've got the black market, um, we're obviously losing products or sales to products like that as well. So, um, yeah, I I would say it's a factor.
0: So do you think, uh, regulators, uh, public health units and so forth have put enforcement on the back burner uh,
1: yeah it would seem so I, I mean and I don't even know if it's the health units specifically because if they're not allotted more hours for their officers or um, if they're not given more officers uh, that could certainly limit the amount of time they have to go to, to each, each uh, establishment um, so yeah I would think that, that would be a factor for sure
0: are you calling for more enforcement?
1: Uh, yeah, I would think so. Um, it's, I mean, if, what's the point of having regulations if they're not going to, to be enforced? Because if I, uh, you know, if I'm sticky about the rules or look at it the other way, if I decided that, I, well, if nobody's going to enforce it, why follow them? Um, then that allows me to sell to a lot more people. Uh, because I, I don't have to worry about it and and if I if my biggest fear is that I'm going to get a small fine uh, which amounts to very little of the money that I've made from doing these illegal activities then that's definitely the way to go. and meanwhile the you know the next story down the street is following all the rules well I'm gonna to steal a lot of his customers that way so um, yeah I think if you're going to create regulations then let's enforce them so that we can see if they're actually working. Uh, and if they're not working then let's go back to the drawing board or you know let's at least have an enter into a conversation about what is better it's, it shouldn't just be about slapping more regulations on top of regulations uh, I'm fine with uh, abiding by them many of them I completely agree with some of them I think are ridiculous and and are going to have detrimental side effects down the road but uh, let's let's at least see if they're if they're effective and helpful you know rather than just um, you know, appeasing the uh, the Lung Association and the Cancer Society with with the fact that yes, as a politician, I have put regulations on them, and that'll show them. And it, it we don't actually see if it does. You know, so I, I think it's le- I think the public needs to be better informed about these products. The um, you know Health Canada has certainly failed in that regard. Um, because if they were better informed, there would be less hysteria over them. And with less hysteria, um, we there wouldn't be required to keep throwing regulations at us. So, yeah, I think that's a good way to go.
0: Now, should uh, more responsibility be put actually onto the teens that are using these products?
1: Well, I guess so. I think you're... you're uh... Good luck with that. I I mean, holding teenagers responsible for their actions does not seem to be, um, you know, a a direction that a government is going to take a stand on. I don't think. Um, Yes, it it obviously should be up to the parents to keep their kids away. It should be up to these teenagers to use common sense and not come use our products. Um, But that's just teenagers. They're always going to get into risky behavior. Um, the novelty does seem to have worn off, uh, compared to what it used to be. So I think that it, that contributes to why we're, we're seeing less attempts at it and less people vaping, uh, less teenagers vaping.
0: Campaigners say vape shops are the problem. It's easier to make new regulations to shut them up, as you said, and then make Mm -hmm. them, you know, make them go away. But those campaigners public health, the body part orgs and stuff, they don't go away at all.
1: I can tell you. And we're not allowed. So here's another rule that we're not we're not allowed to endorse anything to do with vaping. We're not allowed to speak highly of it. Well, this isn't an endorsement, but it is my story. Before I I started vaping, I had I was diagnosed with COPD uh, last year for an unrelated reason. I had to get uh, a long X ray done, and I I mentioned to them that I had been smoking and what's that look like? And they they couldn't believe that I'd ever been smoking. There's no COPD anymore, so. You know, there's, there, you've got the lung association uh, coming after us. We've got heart and stroke. People who vape, I mean, there's studies that show the people uh, who vape have a much lower account of of heart and stroke um, issues. So, why they're coming after us, that's definitely, uh, you know, something that is up for question. I, I don't understand. Like, I understand that they're similar and, and I get that where there's smoke, there's fire, but where there's vapor, there isn't that's pretty good (laughs) you know so it's i i I have to assume that it comes from the fact that they look the same but that's really where the comparison ends other than nicotine and even nicotine like there there's a, a whole ton of chemicals that are in cigarettes designed to keep you addicted we don't have any of that in in vaping with vaping you like i i sort of accidentally quit on 24 milligram and you know after a week or so i dropped down to a 12 and then after a couple of months, down to a six and down to three. Like that doesn't happen with smoking. It's uh, you start smoking, you get addicted, you stay addicted. So there, there's definite differences that need to be acknowledged. And and hopefully that will change the, the you know, the way people look at it. And um, I think if the government did their job and, and actually uh, educated people, rather than trying to dissuade people with, you know, horror stories, let's let's start telling people the facts the the science let's just follow the science you know we're not asking them to to um take a risk or take a take a leap of faith it's the the proof is there the science there's ever-evolving science every day so let's start looking at that instead of scaring people
0: and i think it's important to recognize that health canada spent years evaluating uh the safety or the potential risks around vaping and still participated in the legalization of the product in 2018 these questions have been answered by the health regulator long ago and that's why it's legal
1: absolutely yeah that's that's they wouldn't be putting on their website that it's a healthier choice if the science didn't tell them that and i mean i i i I picture them being backed into a corner and having to acknowledge it but don't look it back because They they have a different agenda.
0: Jason, let me ask you uh, one last question here. And it's in regard to the kind of the deal that was made when they legalized vaping. They came in, brought a framework, asked, you know, the industry to do lots of different things in order to ensure that the product was safe. And then that regulatory framework lasted only about six months. And then it's been collapsing under the weight of hysteria and a moral panic is that fair has the regulator broken some kind of a deal that they that tacitly exists between government and the industries that it regulates
1: well i think it's it's pretty obvious that there is a, a, a backdoor deal going on and and that's i mean we're, we we can acknowledge it or or not it's it's uh yeah, there's something funny going on because the evidence is there. I mean, here, here's what I would say to anybody who is not is sitting on the fence, not sure where to go, call your local hospital, call your morgue. Ask them how many victims of vaping they have. Call your psych wards, call the call the cancer society, call the heart and lung. Ask them how many victims of vaping they have. And that's really all you need to know, because outside of that, vaping is never going anywhere. It can't. It's impossible. Now, Will we lose our businesses and will they get that figured out? I mean, that's possible, but I'm in it for, I'm staying in this fight until the day comes where they, this is actually endorsed and embraced. Um, and and that's, that's, that's my goal. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know what's going on in the background. It's certainly not that they have found some damning evidence because if they did, I would shut my shops down yesterday and, and move on um the last thing i I want is to have thousands of customers and be uh you know getting them set up with something that's gonna harm them that i I couldn't sleep at night if that was really a thing so i i think if they had some damning evidence then this wouldn't even be a discussion they would just shut us down um so you know and that's what they threatened a flavor ban but that that would completely decimate us and i I, I don't know where they want to be somewhere in between there. They want us to exist, but they, I mean, I think the excise tax is your answer to that question because uh, once there's an excise, I mean, let's an excise tax, we don't have a syntax in, in Canada. We have an excise tax instead. Excise tax is very rare. They almost never, I mean, how, how many products on the market actually have an excise tax? So um, this is their way of getting uh, getting paid for our product because they know that it's happening, you can't beat them, join them situation, so this way they're going to get paid. And it, it's ridiculous because, you know, if somewhere down the road we are able to finally convince the masses that this is the great product that it is, that sin tax will always be there. And it's a tax for having a sinful product, even though the product is actually the solution to the sin. So. It's definitely a broken system in so many ways. You know, when I, there's people, customers, that will come to me and say, this doesn't make any sense. And I said, you know, like, this is the issue. Stop using logic to understand this because you'll drive yourself crazy. There's no, there's no logic.